Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. I have never, in the past 10 years, I have never veered away from the subject of Sabbath. During the month of July, every year since the beginning of this church, I've consistently taught the principles of Sabbath. But today I want to veer away from our Sabbath series, and by the end, I assure you, the spirit of Sabbath will still be evident, but it's not necessarily a Sabbath message. I don't even know if it's really a sermon. I don't know if it's a message at all, as much as it is just your pastor's heart today. Like so many of you, the events of this past week have left me brokenhearted. So, as much as I tried to stay away from it, I feel like God would have me address it today. In Scripture, there was a time when Jesus had to stray away from the practice of Sabbath too. Um, He and his disciples were walking through a grain field, and they became hungry. And the Bible says that on the Sabbath day, he, he being Jesus and his disciples, they began to pick the heads of grain and they begin to eat because they were hungry. And the Pharisees questioned that. Why, why are your disciples, why are you allowing them to do this on the Sabbath? And then, then they get to the temple and it's there that there's a man with a shriveled hand and, and they try to trap Jesus once again and, and, and they, they say, you know, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Because in their minds, healing required work and, and it was breaking the Sabbath. And so Jesus in Matthew 12, verses 11 and 12, he he makes this statement. He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. It's where we get our, our basis for our annual serve day, that one Sabbath a year where we go out and we work on a Sunday. We serve because it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Jesus understood that there were times to break Sabbath, and today is one of those moments for us because honestly, I feel like we have sheep that are in the, in the ditch right now, in the pit. There are broken hearts. There are people that are trying to figure out how to deal with the emotions of all of this, and, and, and I feel like we have to address this. If you are connected to the news in any way, you know that we are living in very perilous times. So please, church, be patient with me as we allow God's Word to help us navigate through the, emotion, the emotions that so many of us are dealing with. And hopefully by the end of this, we'll know kind of what to do. I don't, I don't claim to have all the answers. I just know what I feel the Holy Spirit saying to me, and I just want to share it with you. This past week, July 4th, our nation turned 240 years old. 240 years old. What is scary to me is that the average age of a civilization's survival on this planet is under 200 years. And so it's almost as if the United States of America is living on borrowed time. At 240 years old, we are getting old as a nation, and with age comes weariness. Simply put, we as a nation, we're tired. I'll just kind of compare it to a church because that's what I know. That's, that's, that's my life, and that's, that's what I do for a living. But when you first plant a church, there's excitement, and there's energy. 
people moving in the same direction. I know what that felt like 10 years ago when we were planning Destiny Community Church. And, and, and you don't have the vision. But as a church gets older, different personalities join in, different agendas come on board. And if you're not careful, you'll have division, division, two visions or, or more. And, and, and it brings about discomfort. It brings about weariness and it, it will make a church tired. Well, that's where our nation is at right now. At 240 years old, we have been through a lot. And we as a nation, we are tired because we've been through so much. Early on, we had to fight for our independence from Britain. We choose to ignore the various battles against the American Indians, but we probably didn't handle that correctly. But it still happened. We fought a civil war which abolished slavery and accomplished other things too. We've been a major player in World Wars I and II, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. We have worked our way through the civil rights movement, and we needed to, and the women's liberation movement. We continue to battle the pro-life, pro-choice war, and in recent years, we have been forced to face the same-sex marriage issues. This is enough to wear even the strongest of nations down. If you don't see it, church, our nation is tired and weary. And when you become tired and weary, bad things happen. When you don't find any rest, relaxation, restoration, even as a nation, you will begin to crumble. Have you ever met that person that when they get tired, they just simply have no filter? You know that, don't point at them if they're sitting next to you. You, you've met that person before that they just have no filter because once they get tired just all common sense just flies out the window and whatever comes to their mind just comes right out I, I know that that our nation is tired because it takes one look at social media and you can see that we are not thinking before we are posting and some of you are about to become very convicted in this or you're just gonna get mad and you're never gonna come back I work for God I don't work for you We'll see if you keep clapping. <laughs> I need you to understand that I have intentionally not reacted publicly to recent events in our nation. I have not posted about it. I have not tweeted about it. And I've been very intentional with that. And I'll tell you why. I'm going to be very transparent today and I'm going to tell you why. It's because I have black friends and I have white friends. I have friends that are black law enforcement officers and I have no idea how they can possibly deal with all the emotions of that. And I have friends that are white law white law enforcement officers and trust me I've got my own opinions just like many of you I've got my own opinions but I'm wise enough not to speak my opinion because I could possibly hurt people on both sides that I love and respect because their feelings matter to me more than my opinion matters to me and sometimes we just throw that stuff right out the window and we forget that there are still people that are hurting, that there are people that are scared to death on what's going to happen with their livelihood and their lives. Matthew 15 and 11, Jesus said, 
It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. What you say, what comes out, that defiles you. Ephesians 4 and 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Proverbs 17 and 28, even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. Proverbs 13 and 3, those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. Guys, I didn't write this stuff. It's just up to me to preach it, ultimately to live by that. And so that's why I don't blow up and rant on social media about anything more than basketball. <laughs> Sometimes Florida football. Okay, sometimes a drive-through service at your local fast food restaurant. I might rant about that every now and then. But other than that, I'm good because I'm not going to throw it out there to where people are going to be, become hurt because they can't understand all the feelings that I have going on inside of me. If you think people can get your entire emotion through a Facebook post, a tweet, or whatever you put up on Instagram, you are dead wrong. We have an epidemic in our society of diarrhea of the thought process is what it is. That's what's wrong with us. And we fuel the fire with every conversation, every tweet, and every post. Why? Because we are tired and we don't realize it. Our nation is tired. We are exhausted. We are drained and we don't even know it. We are tired of corruption in the government. We are tired of our rights being trampled upon, whether it be civil rights, gay rights, or the right to bear arms. We are tired of the decline of moral values. We are tired of someone else's religion being pushed down our throats. We as a nation are tired. And when you get tired, your immune system begins to fail. You get sick. And so now we're sick and tired. That's where we're at. And, and one of the downfalls of our nation, and this is where I'm about to lose some of you, but man, I'm just trying to obey God today. I am. I promise you I am. One of the downfalls of our nation is our entitlement. There's a lot of amens. I hope you're amening me in just a moment. Don't get me wrong. And, and to all of our veterans in the room, please, please hear my heart on this. Freedom is nice, and I'm thankful for it. If you fought for our freedom, if you fought for my freedom from the bottom of my, of my heart, thank you. I would not change a thing. I would not. I, I'm so grateful for you. I, I thank God for you. But please understand, church, that your rights as an American citizen are not necessarily God-given. I, I know, I know some of you are checking out right now, but listen to me. Our our blessing to live in a democracy can also become our curse if we allow it to. The blessing of having freedoms can become your curse if you're not careful. I know that our Declaration of Independence states we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I thank God for the rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But, but understand, they are far from God-given. We are graced with it because of God and where he allowed us to be born. 
But those are not necessarily just given to you because you're a Christian, because you need to try and explain those God-given rights to a Christian that is being persecuted in a third world country on the other side of the world. Does God love us more than he loves them? So I'm not telling you right now that, that, that these are God-given rights, but that's what we think. We think that we have these God-given rights, and it's only by the grace of God that you and I were born to live into this great nation. Your right to freedom of speech, not necessarily God-given. As a matter of fact, there's probably more scripture in the Bible that tells you to shut your mouth than to speak your mouth. Your right to protest, not God-given. Your right to bear arms, not God-given. Understand, I am pro-gun, okay? But it's not necessarily a God-given right. Your right to vote, not God-given. The early believers, the early church, they didn't have a say-so on what Rome was, was dictating to their lives. But yet God loved them. Jesus died for them. But those were not God-given rights. It's a blessing that God allows for us to experience because we live in this nation at this moment. But it's not necessarily a God-given right. And we've developed this idea that we are American Christians. Hear what I'm saying, American Christians. And with that title, we've reversed the priority. Instead of being American Christians, we should be Christian Americans. Now, you're not ready for this. You're just not. You're, you're not ready at all. As Christians, we belong to a theocracy before we belong to a democracy. But some of you are so steadfast on holding on to that democracy that you're not even realizing that God is calling you to stand up in, in his three theocracy. This means that at times, as Christians, we have to surrender certain rights. We should not always exercise our freedom of speech. Trust me, some of you should not always exercise your freedom of speech because you look like a moron on social media. It's not necessarily, it, it, it is your right, but you don't necessarily have to exercise that right. The Apostle Paul understood this when he wrote 1 Corinthians 6 and 12 and he said, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. You can say whatever you want to in this nation. As a matter of fact, you can say things that I don't think you should be able to say and still live in this nation. But yet you can because of the freedoms that we have. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9 and 19, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. We may have the right to speak freely, but that does not mean that we have to. And sometimes we care more about our rights than we do about reaching people. We care more about our rights than we do about our neighbors. Because we'll post things and we'll say things and we'll make a stand for things that is crushing somebody else. And we're not even willing to hear their heart and have that dialogue. So we're sick and we're tired in America. And your politicians are saying it too. We're sick and tired of the way things are going. They're exactly right. That's the only thing both sides are getting right. We are. We're sick and we're tired. But it's not necessarily their definition of sick and tired. But I assure you, we are sick and tired in America. And this epidemic causes us to live paranoid and it causes us to live separated. 
Don't miss this. This is so important. Jesus warned us in Matthew 12 and 25. He said, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every household, every city or household divided against itself will not stand. Can I scare you? Can I, can I let you walk out of this room today absolutely shaking? I've searched it through and through. America's not a major player in the Bible in the end times. I'm not telling you that we don't exist. I'm just telling you we're not a major player in the end times. We're not mentioned in the end times. Jesus gave us that warning that every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And at 240 years old, we are living on borrowed time already. We've allowed the enemy to separate us. We are separated by political parties. We are separated by race once again. Can you believe that? How far have we come with that? And now we are separated again by race. And even the church itself is separated by denominations and doctrinal beliefs. When we're all calling ourselves Christians, but yet we can't agree on what we believe in. The enemy understands the power of unity. And he knows that when we work together that we get major results. You find this in the book of Genesis, the Tower of Babel. One of the first times humanity worked together. They were working for the wrong cause. God didn't like the cause that they were working, but God made a statement right there at the Tower of Babel. He said, if they continue to work together in unity like this, there is nothing that they cannot accomplish. The enemy knows that for the right cause, when we work together in unity, that we will get major results. And we were moving that direction as a nation. There were some good times for us as a nation. There were some things that early on we needed to be divided about because it, 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 was, it was hurting people in the process. But man, when we worked through some of that stuff, we, we were heading in the right direction. But now the enemy has come back in and he's beginning to tear us apart by politics, racism, victimization. He is tearing us apart. Philippians 2 and 2, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. 1 Corinthians 1 and 10, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you may be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. 2 Corinthians 13 11, finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Man, is this not what our nation needs right now? Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Colossians 3 and 14. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And finally, 1 Peter 3 and 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. The enemy knows that when we work together in one mind and one accord, that that's where great things happen. It was in an upper room in the book of Acts where they were in one mind and one accord. And God breathed the breath of life on them. It happened. Great things happen when you are in one mind and one accord. And God is calling us once again to unity. And Satan is convincing us to be divided as a nation. I want to 
want to share something with you as I begin to close this thing out. And I don't know where I'm going, so y'all just stay with me. When we first moved to Newberry 10 years ago, I'm going to share with you one of my biggest fears. We were coming from a very culturally diverse church in Tampa. We went to church with whites, blacks, Hispanics, and anybody else that wanted to come. I was raised in North Florida most of my life, and I knew that in places like Gainesville, there's very culturally diverse churches, but when you get on the outskirts, that there's still a lot of segregation that takes place. And 10 years ago, it was a major fear for me. I did not want my children to go to church with a bunch of white people. I'm being honest. One, black people have more rhythm than we do, and <laughs> I did not want, I see some of you trying to clap the songs, and you're awful, you're awful. So I knew, no. My children living in Tampa, they did not see color. They didn't. One summer, Kendall and I, we, we, we tend to tan a little bit easier than, than, than Caleb, and well, Caleb's like transparent, but um, <laughs> Caleb and, and Mandy, and Kendall asked me one time, she said, Daddy, why are you and I brown and Mommy and Daddy are white? I mean, Mo Mommy and Caleb are white and me and you are brown? She asked me that, and I was like, Babe, we're all white, just you and I just getting darker. My kids didn't see a separation between us and black people and Hispanic people. We were all this one big world. And moving here, I knew that I had to intentionally I had to intentionally plant the right seeds so that we could have a culturally diverse church. Just going to be honest, man, I'm here today. I don't know. None of you may be back next Sunday, and so I may have to start over in another city. I don't know. <laughs> but I'll tell you what I did. I prayed. I said, God, I want godly black men to serve as leaders in this church because wholeheartedly I believed that if we were going to speak to a community and tell them that we believe that, that our black brothers and sisters are equal with us, I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that we had to prove to them that, that we would put them in leadership. And so I prayed, I did. I prayed, God, send us strong, godly black men to serve on our council. And God raised up two of them at that moment. One is a guy that's still around here by the name of Mark Allen. And the other was the late James Watson. His widow is here today. Both godly men. Both successful in business. And I knew that I wanted them in leadership and I was willing to do whatever it took to get them in that position. And it wasn't even a struggle. Man, it just happened. And from that moment on, Races have just felt welcome to be a part of this church. Because we said, we believe in them and their leadership. We don't see a division there. We are one. We are brothers in Christ. And I still hold that. Now listen, hold on. 
we've got a choice to make right now. And we may not be able to change this nation, but I know one thing. We can all walk out of this room and we can change the environment around us. We can change the environment in our homes. We can certainly change the environment in our church. We can even walk out of here and change the environment on our jobs and in our schools. We, we can make these changes. And, and, and it may be a grassroots movement that starts right here. But, but I can tell you this, all over this nation today, there are pastors feeling the same weight of what I'm feeling right now. And they're sharing their hearts right now. And they are trying their best to bring unity back to a nation. I'm scared. I'm scared of the world that my kids. And one day my grandchildren will have to be raised in. And so once again, it leads me to say, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. there's this remarkable scripture that if we would abide by this scripture, it would change everything in our nation. If we would just listen to the words of this particular passage, I know, I know that it would change everything. Second Chronicles 7 and 14. If my people who are called by my name. Listen to it. God is saying, if my people who are called by my name, are we not called Christians? Christ followers? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, humbling yourself means you lay down your right when you have to. Just to reach somebody else with the gospel of Christ. Just to show them that God is love. I, I sent a text this week to one of my black brothers in our church. I told him, I said, man, pray for me because I am so struggling right now with this. And he told me, he said, Pastor, I've, I've refrained from putting anything up on Facebook. He said, I know the only thing that will work. And it's what I've taught you so many times. That God is love. Love never fails. God never fails. When you humble yourself, you're saying, I love you more than I love my rights. And, and listen, I'm not asking you to go and lay your guns down at, you know, in, at Washington and all. That's not what this is about. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying learn to control this right here because this right here has the ability to kill somebody even more than a gun crush them be careful how you respond to what's happening in our society and if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray if we would spend more time praying than we do about complaining social media has become our outlet it's become our therapist and we just kick back on a couch and we tell the whole world what's going on in our minds. And some of us, we just need to learn to stop. Because what's going on in our minds 
is not going to edify anyone. It's not going to show them that love. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. So when's the last time you just stopped? You just stopped and you just prayed. Before you post, pray. Before you tweet, pray. Before you get around that water cooler at work and start running your mouth, pray. Because this is the only way that he's going to heal our land. It's the only way that if his people will humble themselves, pray, turn from their wicked ways, he says, then I'll hear from heaven and I'll heal their land. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.